You're listening to the Deep in the Tank podcast with Chris Kidwell and Sam Glover. Sam, how are you celebrating Cinco de Mayo on Taco Tuesday? Not with tacos, and that makes me sad. I didn't even realize Cinco de Mayo was coming up until I saw someone ruin my entire year by posting, it's Cinco de Mayo is coming up on a Tuesday, and you're locked in your house because of a novel virus. Then I checked my calendar and tore my clothes and started chanting uh, Psalm 137 in Hebrew. Yeah, see, I will be celebrating with tacos later on tonight. Um, I have plans to go and get some tacos at a local taco stand. I say local, they're they're kind of a limited chain, Fuzzies, uh, here and more. And going to go get some of those. And uh, otherwise, I've already celebrated Cinco de Mayo on Taco Tuesday, as every red-blooded American should by um, listening to Metallica drinking coffee and eating pork rinds. That might be the most, like the only way that could be more American is if you told me that you were like drinking black rifle coffee while just, just letting rounds fly from an AR-15 that you filled out the paperwork to have made into a fully automatic weapon. Yeah. There you go. No, I uh, I didn't go that far, but, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm off to a nice start uh, for my Taco Tuesday. So. All right, the important question is, what kind of tacos are you going to get? Like, well, what are you going to get put on them? I'll get a variety. Uh, they're street-style tacos, mostly. Um, get a fish one, a shrimp one, a brisket one, uh, and then probably a chicken one, too. We'll, we'll see. Uh, there's There's a lot that Fuzzy's offers. Uh, you got to get in on some chorizo if you at all can. Yeah, I think they have one or two with that. I know they've got like a shrimp and bacon one that's better than it sounds like it would be. Well, I I can't find out because of my shellfish allergy, but it sounds nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they have others that are not shellfish shellfish related. So uh, they got the hypoallergenic tacos for people like me. Yeah. So, Sam, what's happening with this Joe Biden campaign? Depending on who you ask, he's either an irredeemable rapist or he's an innocent man being uh, being unfairly demonized by Bernie bros, GOPers and Russian assets. So. He's. <laughs> He's a member of a political party, then. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, to be clear, what uh, what exactly is going on with his his campaign? Just so people who are listening uh, can understand what we're talking about, in case somehow they missed it in all this coronavirus. Right. It is a developing story, as most things like this are. Uh, the main through line is that. Uh, I want to say about a month ago is when this really picked up. But uh, Joe Biden has been accused of sexual assault by a former uh, staff member, uh, one Tara Reed. Excuse me. She alleges that in uh, 1993, if my memory serves, uh, uh, Biden uh, approached her while they were alone in like between like the office spaces. Uh, where they were working, and he uh, forced himself on her. Uh, details from there get a bit explicit. And this is not a new accusation. Uh, Reed claims that she filed a complaint uh, shortly after the incident uh, was uh, took place. Uh, no one's been able to confirm that because any record of it with his office would be found in a document along with other records and documents that are sealed and contained in a library at the University of Delaware for some reason. Not sure why that's where they're at, but whatever. Uh, Responses to this have uh, been mixed, to say the least. Uh, uh, Lisa Bloom, for instance, 
uh, went on uh, Twitter to say, I believe you, Tara, but I also want Donald Trump out of the White House. So I'm sorry, I believe you, but I'm still voting for Joe Biden. That's a paraphrase, but her actual wording isn't better. Uh, others have just said she can't be trusted. This isn't a credible accusation. And um, others have said, even if it's not a credible accusation, it is an accusation. It needs to be vetted and followed through on. It's only fair. And of course, different people from different sides have kind of jumped on it to note double standards. Uh, Alyssa Milano, for instance, has been very public in her denunciation of Reed's accusations and of her pushing to ignore them. Uh, and many people, including uh, Rose McGowan, are calling her a hypocrite for doing so. Uh, and I can understand why. But um, there's this undercurrent of resentment, especially over what happened with Brett Kavanaugh. Because if you remember, Milano was in the Senate chambers watching the whole thing unfold. And she was very adamant, you know, believe survivors, believe Christine Blasey Ford, believe women when they come forward and say they have been assaulted by these men. And so people are now asking her, so do we believe women? Or do we believe women when it's politically expedient? Different people have responded to that differently. Some have tried to make the case that Reed's accusations are of a different quality than Ford's and other women's. Some have tried to argue that she's changed her story multiple times and is therefore not credible. And different arguments like that abound. But it's really going to be a crucible for whether Democrats especially actually believe some of the more extreme talking points that get thrown around with their names on them, especially believe all women, uh, the idea that the accusation itself is proof is also coming under fire. And again, that's an extreme position that is not a common position, but people are hearing that they hear people say that they see that kind of rhetoric floating around, even if it's not common. And then they see read and they think okay well why don't they believe her and realistically biden isn't doing himself any favors on this because he's been very kind of wishy-washy on the matter and people have rallied to defend him stacy abrams has been very um fortuitous in defending him because she thinks that she'll get a vp spot Elizabeth Warren has even come out in his defense. And so it's very interesting to see Democrats respond to this, especially when realistically there's an easy way to win this one for them. All they have to do is say, fine, we'll do an investigation and we'll allow relevant uh, law enforcement bodies to investigate these claims. And if the evidence is sufficient, we'll say, OK, fine, go forward with a trial. Let Biden face his accuser. Let uh, the accuser present their case, present evidence and witnesses, that sort of thing. And let a jury of their peers decide that case and let that be sufficient. And that would do two things. One, it would validate them on their insistence that women are to be believed, which is by itself a good and right thing. But it would also give them an easy out when people decide, well, that's not good enough. Because then they can say, we gave you what you wanted. We asked for a fair trial. We got out of the way and allowed a fair trial to take place. You're just mad you didn't get the results you wanted. So it would be a great publicity look. And for Biden, the only thing he really has to fear is being found out. That's not fair to him as a accused person. It's not his job to prove that he didn't do anything. Uh, uh, defendants do not have to prove their innocence. Accusers have to prove the defendant's guilt. But still, the fact that so many people, instead of saying, okay, fine, present your case, let's see if there's merit to it, 
instead of doing that, they're saying, we're going to disregard that, we're going to disregard that, or they're trying to what about and say, yeah, Joe Biden has been accused of sexual assault, but Donald Trump has been accused of sexual assault by 25 different women, and he's talked about grabbing women by the expletive, that sort of thing. And so they're saying, well, what about Trump? And there are plenty of people who say, okay, great. I'll like for me personally, I look at that and I say, okay, deal. I'll happily throw Donald Trump under the bus if it means I can also throw Joe Biden under the bus if he's guilty too. I I have no desire to see either of them get away with sexually assaulting anyone. So if I have to throw both of them under the bus, great, I'll do it. Even trade, baby. Yeah, well, and that's that's sort of the thing here is uh, what what's your goal? Um, if you're part of this discussion, what's your goal? Is it that your guy wins or is that is it that justice is done? Um, you know, because the the allegations by Tara Reid, there's probably a little bit more evidence to them uh, than there was with Christine Blasey Ford. Uh, but not so much so that, you know, I can sit here and say, well, she probably did it. or She almost definitely did. it. I, I don't know. And I, I don't know that we're going to know unless we get uh, either that investigation or an outright admission from Biden the latter of which seems extremely unlikely. But that's that's what you're going to see, uh, you know, on the Democrat side of this is really care about justice. Do you really care about believing all women or do you just want your guy to win? Uh, because if you just want your guy to win, you don't care about the double standard. You, you don't care about the fact that you're going to treat Biden differently than you've treated Justice Kavanaugh or President Trump. By the way, my favorite part of this whole story is Trump somehow coming to Biden's defense ever so slightly on this. Uh, Did you did you see this? Did did you hear Trump? Uh, If I have seen it or heard it, it was just kind of lost in the whirlwind because there's been a lot going on. Yeah, basically, he he came out. either yesterday or maybe a couple of days ago and said, hey, I understand what he's going through. You know, when you become uh, famous, when you get in the public eye, you get all sorts of people levy all sorts of accusations against you. I've got people who are accusing me of things who I've never even met. Um, And so, you know, I don't I don't know if he did it. And he sort of he sort of backed off the fact that he helped them a little bit and said, you know, maybe maybe she's telling the truth. But but he he understands well, hey, with coming in the public eye, you're going to get people who just want to see you fail and sort of suggesting that this might be what this is. He doesn't know. Um, but it was it was kind of funny because in, you know, in a world that has become so polarized about the about these issues based off of who they want to win, uh, the guy that would actually be doing the winning um, if the Biden ship sinks is basically saying, now, hold on a second, um, you know, this might be similar to some things that I'm going through. It's ever so slight. It wasn't, you know, just this overt, oh, he's completely innocent, that sort of thing. But it was just, it, normally we, we've seen Trump latch on to something like this and call, uh, in this case, we, we would see Trump perhaps call Biden some sort of creepy predator, sleazeball or something like that. Uh where Trump here has really sort of, you know, not been aggressive on this issue, at least not as aggressive as we've seen him be relative to other issues. Um, it, it's actually, that's the one little uh, lighthearted spot in this whole story, I suppose. Uh, but beyond that, you know, that that's the thing that we're going to have to see how the Democrats handle is the issue of consistency um because if they are if they are inconsistent about this they will never ever uh be made to forget they'll never be allowed to forget that they were inconsistent about this you know if they're supposed to be the party of diversity the party of women the party of believe all women and these allegations come through these allegations that do have evidence, at least as much evidence as the Christine Blasey Ford allegations, um, and they, <laughs> excuse me, they don't take them seriously, 
they they won't be allowed to forget it. And I don't know that they should. Um, you know, like you said, you know, if he's if he's guilty, sure, throw him under the bus. My opinion is he's already thrown himself under the bus. If he's guilty, he's just lucky he hasn't been hit yet. But when it comes to actually doing the investigation and actually uh, figuring out what happened, uh, the fact that it's during the middle of a presidential campaign shouldn't matter. The timing shouldn't matter at all. If if you're going to be consistent on this, go ahead and investigate. Do it now. Um, I'm of the opinion. By the way, you'll you'll see this idea floating around online. I'm sure you've encountered it. I'm sure some people that have listened or that are listening have encountered it. Seen the idea online that this is some sort of political ploy by Trump. Um, that this is, if not by Trump, then at least by the right wing to basically, you know, vanquish the Biden campaign, just put an end to it. If that were the case, this story would have waited until after the convention. Uh, I saw someone get on, get up on MSNBC and basically say, you know, that Tara Reid is just a, uh, just a tool being used by the right to you know, abolish the Biden campaign. But again, at this point, if the Biden campaign fails, given that we're, I think they pushed it back till we're two months, maybe three months out from the campaign or the convention, rather. If if it is the case that that's why this story broke, then why not wait until after the the convention when it would be a nightmare to try and replace Biden uh, or move forward with him on the ticket. At this point in time, if he is innocent, you have enough time to be able to rehab his image. And if he's not innocent, if he is guilty, or if at least there's enough doubt on his innocence to where you feel the need to replace him, you've still got time to do it. Still got time to do it. Um, I, I can tell you one thing, though. This is going to hit Biden harder than any of the allegations against Trump hit Trump because of who Biden is. We've talked about this with regard to Biden being, you know, the return to normalcy, uh, this very uh, perceived to be this very moral, upstanding guy. You know, he's your grandfather. He's your uncle. Maybe we've made plenty of memes about him being creepy uncle, but he's your uncle. And, you know, it just just this harmless guy, uh, except when he needs to stand up for you, that sort of thing. Um, whereas tr- Trump was already in the mud, as it were. Right. Trump, before he ran for president, was already in the mud. And so this one allegation, if it's left unchecked is going to wreck Biden's campaign in a way that no amount of allegations uh, could wreck Trump's. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing either way. It's just the truth that, you know, one serious allegation against Biden might be enough to sink his campaign if it's not dealt with. Um, You know, uh, a buddy of mine, do, do you know Luke Yates? Yes, I do. So he posted a few days ago um, one of his social media accounts. He said, the fact that you can read the below statement and have no idea which of the two candidates, presidential candidates I'm talking about is really sad. The statement is this. They really need to investigate the recent sexual assault claim against him. We're at that point. Yeah. Uh, 2008. And even 2012, you couldn't fathom uh, two candidates who were struggling with claims of sexual assault. And yet, here we are. You know, eight years later, here we are. Both candidates, both parties. Um, one is the presumptive nominee, the other is the incumbent president. And here we are. And it's, you know, it's it's sad that this is what it's come to. It's good that there's some light being shed on this finally. I'm not going to say that it's good that it happened, um, but 
it's not the worst thing in the world that Democrats are being forced uh, to face the issue of consistency with how they apply this either. Right. But even more than that, I think this also just kind of demonstrates several different things. But the one that keeps coming to mind for me, especially with the notion of every like of both candidates being accused of sexual assault. There are two things that come to mind for me. The first being Donald Donald Trump, uh, for all his very real flaws and very real issues and very real ideological differences between him and I, he has this remarkable ability to just take something directly on the chin and say, yeah, you caught me. That's exactly right. And then manage to push through and get something out of that because lots of people forget this because 2016 was practically 500 years ago. But when the the Access Hollywood, I believe, was uh, the time, was what the tables referred to as, um, Donald Trump originally he saw the transcript of it. He said, "That's not me. I don't talk like that." And then he listened to the tape and he said, "Nope, yeah, actually, that is me. That that's my voice." He didn't try to deny it. He didn't try to do anything like called a disinformation campaign. He, he just in his office with his campaign staff, he said, yep, that's me. We've got to do something about this. It seems like he, apology, sorry, seems like that apology uh, released on like a Saturday night, maybe a day or two after the tape was released. Right. There's that. But even beyond that, there's, of course, the fact that uh, like Mike Pence wouldn't answer his calls for several days after that. So he had to figure out how to win back his VP nominee as well. But the next debate going up against Hillary Clinton. You want to know who he had on the front row? The women that Hillary Clinton's husband has been accused of raping. And that's dirty. That is a dirty trick. That is a low blow. But it was a brilliant move in that Trump was able to say, without saying anything directly, he was able to own his accusation and say, you, the American people, can claim the moral high ground against me. This woman can't because she spent her career slandering these women to protect her husband. Right or wrong, it's a brilliant move, and it got the result that he wanted because that tape wasn't enough to sink him. And it was a perpetual reminder of, yeah, I'm a scumbag, but one, I'm not going to sit here and deny it. Two, I'm not going to act like I'm better than any of you. And three, I'm not going to act like the person I'm running against isn't also the scum of the earth. And so that ability to just kind of power through and say, yeah, I'm covered in mud, but guess what? You're in the mud hole with me. That's, again, right or wrong, good or bad. Whatever you want to say about Trump, that is a powerful ability that he has, that he's made out of mud, basically. So throwing more mud at him doesn't really work. And so the second thing being, and this is not original to me, uh, but uh, it's not the corruption that bothers most people about Washington. It's the depravity. And a great example of that is, Chris, do you remember who Hunter Biden is? I do. He's one of the uh, one of the presidential candidate's sons. I can't remember which one, though. Right. So uh, why is he significant? Well, he's one of the presidential candidate's sons, but it also seems that he's had some dealings in Ukraine, if I remember correctly. Right. And what came of those alleged connections? You tell me. Exactly. Like, like that, that was, while that is a serious like, concern and that would normally, all other things being equal, warrant at least an ethics investigation or at least the question of what is he doing working for a multi-million dollar company 
when he doesn't have the credentials for it. Most people don't care about that sort of thing. They roll their eyes when uh, someone gets into a cushy position because of who their dad is, but they go on with their lives. What are you going to do? That's just how things go. Now, Ted Kennedy, for example, a lot of people remember him not only for his policy and for his position in a dynasty, but also for the fact that he allegedly left a woman to drown in a car for hours. People remember that because it's depraved, it's vile, it's wretched. We had a, we had a major movie uh, made out of that in the past couple of years, if I remember correctly. Right. And that's illustrative. Like, no, no one cares that, like, no one's going to make a movie about Hunter Biden being given a prestigious position at some at some random oil company that most people can't even name. That's the nothing burger. Let's see how this campaign goes before we... uh, Okay, actually, fair enough. I'll grant that. But people have been doing kind of suspicious, like, hand-greasing deals for centuries. People care about it. People will say, hey, I wish you wouldn't do that. But what really gets people mobilized and what really gets people out and about and saying, no, I'm not willing to put up with this, is the depravity. There is a whole group of people that are motivated for by nothing else but the belief that Washington is full of pedophiles. And that bothers them viscerally. It's a lot, there's a lot of conspiratorial uh, undertones to all of that, especially revolving around a cheese pizza. But... People don't mind corrupt politicians. They care about depraved politicians. And right now, people are getting the impression, rightly so, that Democrats are just as depraved as Republicans. And that's not an endorsement of Republicans. People are starting to look at both these parties and realize there are scumbags everywhere. And now my hope from all of that is that we'll manage to vote for a libertarian candidate because at least they're honest about who they are is that going to happen no but the beauty of this is that more and more these two parties are losing credibility and i love to see that so i'll I'll just kind of leave that train of thought there well they're losing credibility because they deserve to lose credibility that's that's the key here correct it's not a smear campaign against either party or either candidate. Um, it is based off of their own actions. I'm going to disagree with something you said a few minutes ago. Uh, you mentioned that Trump bringing those women uh, who Bill Clinton allegedly raped into the debate. Was that the second presidential debate? Is that what that was? Um, I, I believe so. Yeah. So I do not believe that was a low blow at all. Uh, and Here's why. It's really simple, in my opinion, actually. Either he didn't do the things, uh, he didn't rape those women, he did nothing wrong involving those women, and he has nothing to fear, and he can see through it as a cheap stunt. I would suggest his face uh, suggests otherwise, if you were to watch it during the debate, and there's some great uh, memes that have come out of that debate. Or he did exactly what he was accused of, or at the very least something similar. Um, And he deserves all of the shame and regret that can possibly be mustered uh, from the situation until he acknowledges that he did it. Um, You know, and I don't care what form that comes in. You know, this is not this is not something where he was tricked into it, you know. This is not something where is it, you know, is it uncomfortable? Yes, and that's the point, right? Uh, I I don't think it was a low blow at all until until either, you know. Now he's going to say, and I'm sure he has, although I can't point to a specific point in time, you know, that he didn't do it, but. 
at the same time, you know, if he didn't do it, it it's it shouldn't be terrifically uncomfortable for him. You know, the 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 phrase you don't have anything to fear if you don't have anything to hide. Um, it, it gets overused when it, when we talk about privacy concerns. Uh, that's not really the point of privacy, but it does matter with actual allegations, right? He has nothing to fear if he doesn't have anything to hide. But if he did that, then yeah, make you know, point that out. You know, is it is it what aboutism? Probably, right? You know, that was Trump deflecting a little bit, right? You know, yes, I'm bad, but look at how bad they are. But at the same time, I. You know, whatever shame can be mustered out of that situation needs to be mustered until, you know, it, did he do it? I, I don't know, but if he did, that ought to be mustered until he comes forward uh, and acknowledges that. Uh, and that's the thing, is with Trump bringing up those tapes, yeah, you might bring him up again this cycle uh, to sort of, once again demonstrate how unfit for the presidency he is, but that didn't work last time, right? The fact that he's already acknowledged it allows him and his campaign to move past it. They did it in 2016. They'll do it again this year, right? This year, he'll be dealing with the fallout once the campaign resumes, whenever that is. He'll be dealing with the fallout from the impeachment uh, proceedings. He'll be dealing with the fallout from how he's handling the coronavirus pandemic, which there have been some good and some bad things both as a part of that. I think most people are going to be happy that they received at least some Trump bucks. I think many people are going to be disappointed with his press briefings. By and large, I think he's been inconsistent personally. But you know, because he, he was able to address those, not allegations, uh, just, you know, what happened, right? It's not allegations anymore, simply allegations anymore. If you acknowledge, yeah, they happened. Um, shouldn't have done that, like you said. He's able to move past it. Uh, and it doesn't do anyone any good to keep bringing them up over and over and over again. And so I don't know that bringing those women uh, into the debate is a low blow. It is definitely uncomfortable. Um, you know, it, it's definitely uncomfortable uh, for many people involved, not just the Clintons, but the fact that it was uncomfortable is really kind of the point. And, and maybe there should be some more uncomfortable moments like that. You know, you've got all these accusers. I, to be honest, um, when Biden or whoever ends up being the Democrat nominee, because I'm still not convinced they're going to let Biden get on the debate stage with Trump. Um, whenever Biden uh, takes the stage, I wouldn't be surprised to see him pull something similar, or rather the party pull something similar on his behalf. Because, you know, that, that moment of discomfort I don't think it's going to work as well against Trump as it did against the Clintons, but you know it's worth at least trying, I think. And again, I don't necessarily know that that's a low blow. Um, you know, it's 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 okay and even a good thing for people who have done bad things to feel uncomfortable about the bad things that they have done, at the very least, until they acknowledge that they've done them. Um, you know, even. Even in scripture, you know, the idea when uh, church, church discipline is administered is that a person feels shame about what they've done, uh, shame that drives them to repentance. And I can't say for sure that Trump felt shame when he, uh, you know, when he heard the tapes or saw the tapes, rather, um, you know, I can't, I don't know his motive, I don't know his heart, I don't know what he's thinking. Um, but he did acknowledge that he uh, that he messed up, that he did something wrong in that case. Um, and so that, that shame being brought in, that level of discomfort, immense level of discomfort being brought in. You know, if you've done something or if you're alleged to have done something as serious as 
uh, as sexual assault, then yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that level of discomfort being brought in with the understanding once again, that if he didn't do it, then, you know, there's very little discomfort there. Maybe it's awkward, but it, it's probably only that at that point. Right. Well, first of all, how dare you disagree with me, <laughs> but more seriously, I, I can, I can see where you're coming from. Definitely. And I would agree that that shame is a necessity. Now, some people will find this controversial. You might, and that's fine if you do. I think that if convicted, uh, shame should be the least of a sex offender's concerns. Uh, uh, and uh, that's the nicest way I can think of to say it. Uh, the bluntest way is I think they should be summarily executed. But um, that's, again, if they're guilty. So can't well, it, deal with hypotheticals too strongly. But Well, and anyway. there's... In that case, there's a demonstrable difference between uh, what Trump was caught saying on the tapes and what uh, Biden is accused of, what Trump admittedly is accused of, and what uh, Bill Clinton has been accused of. That is, Trump was caught on tape simply talking in a very inappropriate manner about doing extremely inappropriate things, um, which is awful but is not the same and not nearly as awful as actually doing the thing, right? Um, you know, that's the thing, is he was caught on sure, tape sure. using awful language and, and describing women in uh, awful ways. That's different than actually committing sexual assault. Um, it's reprehensible. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm assuming that... Uh, Summarily executing people does not extend to simply talking inappropriately uh, about people in this case. Oh, no, it does. <laughs> oh, okay. I, death penalty for everything. I, I'm, I'm kidding. I do think that more crimes should be liable to it, but that, that one is far afield and two uh, probably shouldn't be joked about so easily. But to actually return to seriousness, I, you're making a valid point, I think. But Trump has been accused of foul language and foul actions. Uh, Biden has been accused of foul actions. And when you actually look into the accusations leveled against uh, uh, Clinton, they're actually quite violent. Uh, two of his uh, accusers separately uh, reported, uh, for instance, uh, that he uh, bit their lip uh, while committing this act against them, enough in one case to draw blood. And uh, that's, to put it mild, to put it bluntly, that's very animalistic. That's that's the kind of behavior that cats engage in. And, and I don't want to get too far afield into the reproductive uh, uh, manner of uh, the feline uh, genus, but... Um, Bill Clinton is accused of pretty violently assailing these women. And again, that's two different women who had never met before, didn't presumably didn't have the chance to coordinate their stories. Recording that detail, um, Biden, uh, uh, Reed, his accuser, has people that can corroborate and say, yeah, she told me about this. Uh, there's the the clip from Larry King that people are alleging it features her mother talking to Larry King, asking him for advice. Uh, CNN tried to memory hold that because they apparently don't realize the Wayback Machine exists on the Internet. But it's not a zero-sum game. And all three of those persons are accused of grotesque, deplorable things. But... Just as in Dante, that there are multiple levels of hell, there are multiple levels of depravity, and we can separate those out and recognize them while recognizing that there's still levels in the circles of hell. So we, we don't want to minimize, but we also don't want to equivocate, I guess. Right. And, and that's the thing is when you talk about whataboutism, um, you know, the the allegations at a certain point 
the allegations of sexual assault need to be reckoned with on their own terms because they're they're terrible, they're horrible. And there's very little that you're going to be able to sort of elevate as being worse. Well, I guess. Well, yeah, sure. That that expression works, I guess. Um, there are very few things that you're going to be able to look at and say that are worse than that. And so, what aboutism proves futile. Um, and it's something that both parties engage in, both sides engage in. And it's something that's a practice that generally needs to stop. Um, I think there are some situations where it is appropriate. Uh, but when we're talking about sexual assault, uh, your, your whataboutism is at best um, ignorant. And at worst, you're intentionally obscuring the fact that a man has been alleged <clears throat> with evidence of committing sexual assault. Now, again, I think the evidence against Biden is it's more substantial than it is than it was against Justice Kavanaugh, but not so much so significantly that I'm willing to sit here and say, you know, oh, well, I think she did or I think she's telling the truth. Um, so I again, I, it's either going to take an investigation or uh, an outright admission. For me to arrive at that conclusion, of course, you know, it's wise, generally speaking, to not arrive at that conclusion until the evidence uh, overwhelms you, if you will. But, you know, when you start to deflect allegations of sexual assault, you lose the moral high ground. Um, and while I don't think the Democrats ever had the moral high ground, uh, given that... Um, given that they generally support abortion, at least on a federal level, uh, and more and more so on a state level, I think you see the moral high ground when you decide that you're going to kill millions of babies, or at least allow for that. Um, they probably were perceived to have had the moral high ground, at least on a few issues, uh, at the very least the treatment of women. And that that has evaporated. This story has developed, and it's good that it has evaporated as the story has developed, because if uh, if if you're going to be inconsistent on how you handle this issue, you do not deserve uh, to be seen as having the moral high ground, to be seen as being the party of women, to be seen as being. You know, anything more than, oh, you're just a different shade of what we've already seen with this. Um, you know, and, and the sad thing is there's not going to be the intense questioning of Biden unless it goes to trial. There's not going to be the intense questioning of Biden uh, that there was with Justice Kavanaugh. Justice Kavanaugh went through some of the most intense questioning that you'll ever see uh, because he had to go through that to be confirmed. Um, you know, Kamala Harris basically launched her uh, national level appeal uh, and launched her presidential campaign off the back of those proceedings. Uh, Cory Booker largely did the same thing. Um, and it was because they were relentless in questioning him. And even though the allegations against him were, you know, rather dubious, uh, the evidence was rather flimsy. Um, it's not the worst thing in the world that someone who was accused of that was uh, was questioned strenuously about it. Granted, that's probably not the place to do it. That's probably not the context to do it. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to take the allegation seriously, fine. But that should hold true for both sides. And my fear is, and I think it's well-founded, that it's not going to be how it's handled at all. And so, I uh, so I I want to I want to sort of slightly shift gears here. Um, you know, if I can, actually, I want to just offer three closing thoughts. Very sorry to cut you off. Just three things. Uh, one, Democrats should have lost the moral high ground during the Blazy Ford uh, accusation cycle. Because people tend to forget this. Diane Feinstein knew about those accusations for nearly two months. So 
Uh, she chose to bring them out after uh, questioning was done, after presumably a previous cycle of vetting was done. And she brought this letter out. And at least depending on how exactly one hears uh, Dr. Blasey Ford's uh, construction of events, violated her anonymity in bringing them forward. Uh, as I understand it, Blasey Ford brought the accusation forward of her own volition, but she wanted it to remain anonymous. So for one, Feinstein didn't respect a, a alleged survivor's wishes on how to handle it. Two, she sat on her hands for nearly two months and spent those two months blowing her nose with the letter detailing that accusation and only brought it out when all that was left to do with Kavanaugh was to have the vote. So any time that someone wanted to try to claim the high ground, I would just say, you had two months to do something about this. If you cared about it all, you had two months to prove it beforehand, which really got my gears going about how they were demanding a the FBI investigation that took at least a week. I thought, great, you had time to do nearly eight of those already, and you didn't because you don't actually care. And so there's that. Uh, Blasey Ford may well have been telling the truth. That is entirely possible. And if she was, it's even worse because she was used as a political weapon, and because of that, she won't be able to get justice. Not in this lifetime, at least. And that's a tragedy that Democrats should never live down. Two, whataboutism, I agree, is tiresome, and most of the time, people need to cut it out. It is useful for weeding out people that you need to just ignore, because whataboutism is a valid thing to do when it is used to draw attention to hypocrisy and challenge, challenge a person to rise above their hypocrisy. Whataboutism is perfectly fine when someone presents, uh, just for instance, okay, I can't vote for Donald Trump, for example, because he's been accused of sexual assault. Okay, Joe Biden has been accused of sexual assault. Are we going to have a conversation about the merits of those claims on both sides and how we shouldn't settle for someone who has been accused of sexual assault without vetting those claims? Or are you going to double down and act like it's only one side? Because if we're willing to rise above our hypocrisy because of what about is great. We can walk forward together, even if we end up disagreeing, because at least we agree on a standard. But if you say, OK, what about this? And they say it doesn't matter. Great. I wish you well. I'm never going to talk to you again, though, because I can't trust you because you don't have standards. And the third I'm struggling to really come back to because of just kind of letting my mind wander and the kind of stream of consciousness. But more than anything, in fact, I've got it back now, more than anything, these situations demonstrate a need for there to be a fundamental shift in how the how the procession of an accusation like this is handled because of course it's going to be a difficult case to vet because it happened nearly 30 years ago in the case of Tara Reid in the case of Blasey Ford it was over 20 years ago and people say well there's not evidence of course it's going to be hard to find evidence it happened 20 years ago unless you managed to have a situation like Monica Lewinsky who kept the dress and didn't wash it and somehow managed to resist that psychological urge to put as much distance between her and her assault as possible to keep that evidence. Of course, you're not going to have that problem. And there are different factors that play into this, but without naming names, without getting too explicit in high school, a friend of mine was raped. That's not an overly uncommon thing, but she confided to me that she had been raped. And my immediate instinct was, friend, you have to tell the police about this. And just pleaded with them, do not let this person get away with doing this to you. 
And they they were genuinely afraid to. They didn't want to. And I spent a couple of minutes trying to just beg and plead with them, do not let this person get away with this. Go to the police. I will drive you to the police station right now. Even though at the time, this was like the dead of night when she told me this. And finally, I relented and said, I'll respect your wishes on this. If you change your mind, let me know. I'll pick you up and take you to the police station. Lots of women do not come forward with their accusations. Lots of men don't come forward either. And there are a variety of reasons for that. Just shame about it happening to them, shame about how they'll be perceived afterward, and even just the difficulty and how emotionally draining it is to deal with the police in a situation like that. And there is a, there, especially in a political situation, because of the different factors that go into this, like sexual assaults being the most commonly falsely reported crimes comparatively, but also that making up less than 10% of accusations, I think even less than 5% in some cases, that's a stigma that goes against that. You're lying, you're trying to get a chinch, and you're trying to torpedo this person, you have a grudge. And that happens sometimes. But as people, a lot of this could be avoided if we could be compassionate but firm people. If we could, to borrow the words attributed to Ronald Reagan, if we could trust victims, alleged victims, but try to verify in a way that is fair both to victim and to accuser. That could mean allowing a case to go anonymously until it's time to go to trial because the accused has the right to face their accuser. Uh, That could look like just having support. That could look like police forces saying, we will watch your house. We will make sure that during the course of the investigation, the two of you don't come into contact with one another, that sort of thing. But what ends up being more and more apparent to me in the in cases like this is that a lot of these problems could be solved if victims would just come forward. And I don't say that to shame victims that don't come forward or are timid about it. But instead to say, we need to accommodate victims coming forward without compromising the rights of the accused and the protections granted to people in a society that presumes innocence until guilt is proven. And we don't have to choose one or the other. And people act like we have to. And that really bothers me. And if we could get rid of that and move towards... Being able to tell women, I will trust you until I'm given a reason not to, until the evidence says otherwise, I'm willing to believe you. That doesn't mean I'm going to unfairly malign the accused, but I'm willing to take an accusation seriously and treat it like a very serious thing. And that even includes people that have been accused stepping forward and saying, fine. Let's let the evidence speak for itself. Let's have a trial. Let the case be presented and decided and get everyone else out of the way for that. And so I don't know how to go about doing that. I don't know if that will ever happen in our lifetime, but I do know we could have a much easier time talking about elections if circumstances allowed for accusations like this to be dealt with in a quick and expedient manner. Well, and to that point, uh, I know you don't mean to limit it to this, but it, it extends beyond elections. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about the past few minutes as you've been sort of discussing this is we we see sort of this polarization invading the church, too, um, both with church issues and definitely with political issues. Um, you know, we look at our two candidates and you know, most Christians are similar uh, to everyone else in this regard, that you pick the one you like. I say two. I, I understand there's more than two, but for most Christians, there are effectively two. Um, pick the one you like, and, you know, we fall prey to the same things, where we believe what we want to believe, 
about both candidates uh, based off of which one we think accomplishes our will more. Um, you know, and so while you have what you're going to see this election cycle, I think, uh, perhaps even more so uh, than in 2016 when there was plenty of it, is you're going to see Christians who are vocal supporters of Trump, you're going to see Christians who are vocal supporters of Trump come out and blast Joe Biden over these claims of sexual assault. And, you know, once again, if he did it, fine. If he didn't, the blasting's inappropriate. But until it's addressed, you don't know either way. But those same Christians are going to come to Trump's defense at every at every possible moment. And Democrats and people who otherwise either support Biden or support the candidate who is not Donald Trump are going to point out the hypocrisy in that. And, you know, in a case of whataboutism that, you know, you've already mentioned is appropriate. And you know what? I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for people to be called out about that. Now, can you can you still, as a Christian, uh, vote for Trump? Uh, well, you can you can muster some other rationale. Uh, I, I, I think that there are other ways to construe why you would vote for Trump, but you can't vote for him based off of him being of uh, better moral character than, than Biden, unless you narrow in specifically on the issue of abortion. Um, but Democrats, likewise, are going to have that same question posed to them for the first time, maybe in our lifetime, at least since Clinton, that... Uh, and by Clinton here, I mean uh, primarily Bill, because Hillary's personal failings, uh, there's a little bit made of her personally with her relationship with uh, with Bill and things that she covered up during that election cycle, but there was a lot more focused on failures as Secretary of State. Um, with, with Biden, this personal allegation is going to be at the heart of of his criticism. And so, you know, you're going to have Democrats pointing out the hypocrisy of, you'll hear the phrase evangelical Christians all the time. Uh, and, you know, when you get people like Franklin Graham up there basically proclaiming, you know, that Trump is absolutely necessary, that God wants Trump uh, be president and all this sort of nonsense, well, not so sure about that. Uh, not so. I mean, he didn't. He didn't tell me that. Sure, God told that. Not made it known to me or you. I don't think. Uh, uh, the the thing is, though, John Calvin may have agreed with Franklin Graham about God wanting Trump to be our leader, but not for reasons that Franklin Graham would like. Sure, that's fair. Um, but we uh, when we look at that. You know, Christians who sort of support whatever candidate, in this case, they, they don't get to claim their support on the base of moral character. That 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 reasoning is gone. It I think it was an appropriate reason to vote for Romney in 2012. Uh, it was an appropriate reason to vote for McCain in 2008. Um and going back further than that, I would make assumptions because, you know, in 04, I was in middle school. Might have, yeah, I was in middle school in 04. Um, but when you talk about these candidates, you don't get to do it on the basis of moral uh, moral character. There, are, Like I said, there are other reasons to vote for these candidates, um, you know, based off of particular policy positions that they hold. Um there are other there are other ways you can construe voting for either of the two major party candidates. But if you're going to do it based off of moral character, you're going to have a very difficult time finding a reason to vote for either one. Um, you know, and so it, it's it's something that for people who do blindly support these candidates or people who do support them based off of seeing them as being just morally better uh, that they need to be called out on that 
Um, you know, that, and it's something that I saw a lot of in 2016. You know, the, the idea that Hillary is, you know, Satan reincarnate or something like that. Uh, or the idea that, that Trump, you know, is just this terribly, totally uh, depraved individual with no regard for women. Both of those positions are a little bit extreme, but there, um, there wasn't a lot of honest criticism about those positions. Um, there was criticism, certainly. You had the left attacking Trump supporters and the right attacking Hillary supporters. But none of that criticism was honest, um, or very little of it was that I saw anyway. You know, the idea that, you know, the candidate I want to win, the candidate I'm going to vote for, is flawed too. But let me explain why, you know, why I'm voting for him or her in spite of their flaws. You know, if you can reckon that, then okay. You know, you're at least going to be honest about why you're voting for that person. But you know, it 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 just that's the thing I'm scared of with this whole uh, with this whole election cycle. That's the thing I'm scared of with regard to whataboutism is. We're going to obscure um, some of the awful things that these candidates have done, or at the very least, been alleged of doing. They're not going to, like you said, get that proper investigation um, for the sake of winning, basically. Um, for the sake of absolutely just, just, just winning. You want your guy. There are people... Like you said, you, you mentioned the one individual who went, who, who was it? Was it Rose McGowan, you said, went on the news and basically said, I believe Tara Reid, but I don't want Trump to win, so I'm voting for Biden anyway? Oh, no, 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 no. Rose McGowan did precisely the opposite. She is disavowed the Democratic Party. Lisa Bloom, I don't know if she went on the news, but she put out on Twitter just this kind of multi-sentence statement of like, Tara, I'm sorry, I believe you, but... Trump has to lose, like, not all of this. And so like, I'm sorry, I believe you, but I'm still voting for Biden. Right. Fair enough. It, you know, that's that sort of attitude. Um, I don't know. The, the, the whole situation, it, it's honestly a bit depressing. Um, I, I think the fact that we're having this discussion is going to be good ultimately, um, but it's not good right now. It, none of this is fun right now. Uh, none of this is pleasant. I would much rather be uh, debating policy than this right now. Um, but you know, this is the dominant story, and until it gets addressed, it will not go away. That's something that both parties realize, and both parties are going to, you know, the Democrat Party is going to try and either bring it to light or sweep it under the rug as quickly as possible. And Trump won't let it go. Like I, I mentioned that he, you know, he slightly came to Biden's defense recently. There's no chance he's doing that in a debate. None. Um, so, but I, like I said, I think I'm most concerned about how Christians are going to handle this. Um, I think the most disappointing thing would be to see a repeat of 16 where people just support Trump and do it sort of blindly without actually admitting some of his his failures. And, and this is something that I, I see pretty common um, with regard to politics, but I also see it in the in the church um, where you can't ever uh, there, there are some people who have it in their head that you can never or you should never admit either the flaws of your own position or your own person, be it a candidate, be it a preacher or a teacher. Uh, you can't honestly criticize your own side and you can't honestly uh, commend the good things on the other side or fear that it makes your side look weak right that you should never uh, that you should never be open and honest about the failings of your own side or at least some of the flaws and some of the issues on your own side because it makes you come off as as weaker and so it, it leads to this extremely polarizing language um, that shouldn't exist at all um, you know, I, you know, if I support a position, if I support a person, I should be aware of if, you know, in some cases the flaws and at the very least the difficulties 
in holding those positions. Um, you know, it, it's it's something that's true in politics, but it's something that's true generally as well. When we talk about uh, making an argument about a particular <clears throat> issue from the text of Scripture, um, I need to understand where there might be some perceived weaknesses in that argument. When it comes to talking about uh, a presidential candidate, I need to be honest about you know, where they have failed and where they need to be better. But we can't have that discussion because people don't want to admit those flaws. Right, and this is why everyone should just be a libertarian bordering on an anarchist like me. Because when you have no king but Christ, you don't have to worry about these issues. You can look at Democrats and Republicans and say, you both send people to die and kill for the things that you claim to care about instead of doing them for yourselves. You both rob people at gunpoint instead of attending to claim to causes that you care to care that you claim to care about. And you can go on and on and on and make everybody mad and everybody hate you. But at the end of the day, you can say, well, at least I'm not voting for these guys. It's not the most practical solution. It's not the solution that will make you the most friends. But being able to say I have no king but Christ feels good, man. One of the best pleasures I have left in life. I hope is that regardless of hope for that, that that would still be something people say. Um, the problem is people don't often view that statement as uh, the exclusive statement that it should be, or at least they don't live like it. You know, you'll get Christians who say they have no king Christ, but who don't live like it when it comes to how they talk about politics, how they talk about other candidates, how they talk about other countries, how they talk about is anything that isn't exactly what they like. Right, and that's not because they're stupid or malicious or anything like that. Most people aren't stupid or malicious, in fact. It's just they haven't thought about something. Like it, in most cases, it just genuinely hasn't occurred to them. Thank you for listening to the Deep in the Tank podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you.